What comes to mind when you think about the first day of class? For classes and stuff, it is a little bit nerve-wracking, I would say. I'm excited about it, a bit nervous. So I'm a little scared. I'm pretty excited. Oh, I don't quite understand exactly what's going to happen with this class. Well, it's going to be a little difficult, but, you know, interesting to overcome. Yeah, I'm a little lost. <laughs> The LNS Exchange is a podcast about teaching and learning in the College of Letters and Science at UW-Madison. This season, we seek to understand the many dimensions of inclusive teaching in higher education. What are the big ideas that define inclusive teaching? How do we advance the inclusivity goals of the College of Letters and Science? And what's at stake? I'm David Mackisett. Join me and my colleagues from the LNS Instructional Design Collaborative as we explore different aspects of inclusive teaching, feature interviews with instructors, and provide practical advice for educators. Hi, I'm Molly Harris. In today's episode, we're doing something a little different. We talk to three LNS instructors to capture the unique energy at the start of classes will share their thoughts about inclusive teaching strategies they use on the first day of class. If you're feeling nervous, excited, or even a little scared for this semester, we get it. And we hope this episode helps you remember that you're in the best of company. First, Ralph Grunwald. You will see how quickly you will understand what we do. It's going to be really amazing. Associate Professor of English and the Center for Law, Society, and Justice. So I'm certainly nervous. I've taught both classes multiple times, but there is not a single semester in which I'm not nervous because you never know who's your audience. So at the beginning, especially for criminal justice-related topics that are controversial and contentious, what I'm thinking is how can I best present as early and as quickly as possible like the person underneath the professor? Brittany Edmonds is an assistant professor of English and a scholar of 20th and 21st century African-American literature and culture. Yeah, I mean, well, I guess we're in pre-planning. The semester has yet to start. I think this semester is going to hold a great many unique challenges. This semester, the freshman students will be receiving. Most of them will have gone to school for their freshman year of high school, missed two years in the middle, and then sort of attended school again for their senior years. And so there's been a great deal of disruption in their high school curriculum. And what that means for being an instructor in a freshman course, you know, that's going to substantially inform how it is I'm able to, to engage with students. Gearing up for the new semester, that's what's sort of heavy on my mind. Melissa Lindsay is teaching faculty and director of instructional support in the Department of Mathematics. So campus is just coming alive as students move in, which is like the burst of energy I need at this point. I'm starting to see them when I'm down on the classroom levels, trying to find their rooms, those lost, confused faces. And so relieved, I'm like, can I help you find a room? So my day-to-day, -day, it's this delightful combination of like making plans for my class, but then my role is also to help support the instruction of all of the new instructors in the math department. And so Really, my day is all about figuring out how to uncover the hidden curriculum, both for my students, but also for the new instructors so that they're set up for success. We asked our guests what strategies they use to engage students on their first day. How can I show that I care about students and that 
learning is important and that we do super exciting, interesting, fascinating stuff that they will learn cool stuff and learn methods and skills. But at the beginning, it's important to kind of take out the, the anxiety and remove barriers. That's what I'm thinking about right now. Not so much content. This will come like second week. But right now, it's like, how do I create an atmosphere of we? I sent everyone an email, a Canvas announcement, and welcome them to the class prior to the first class and ask them to bring a piece of paper on which they write their name. And if they don't, I bring Sharpies and paper to the class. And every student, all 375, have to write down their first name on a piece of paper, their pronouns, and then put that in front of them. So that's one thing that's super important to me to individualize the class. That's important that we all have names, that we are there as individuals. I think a lot of instructors are willing to be flexible with students, but they want to be flexible as the needs arise because it's a little overwhelming to feel like you need to plan for every eventual circumstance where a student might need adaptability. But if you don't plan for it, or at least put in your syllabus and your canvas and say on the first day of class, like, these deadlines are here, but your success is our mutual goal. Please don't hesitate to reach out if you need to ch chat with me about making changes, because if you don't say it explicitly, students won't know. So that's the big thing, I think, is specifically naming what we're willing to do for students so that everyone has access to it. Okay, so first, me. I am Dr. Lindsay. I got to have some of you in Calc 1 last fall. Welcome back. I could tell you lots of things about me. The two things I actually care that you know as we start the semester are that our mutual goal is your success in this class, right? I know that there's like almost 300 of you, and I unfortunately can't get to know you individually, but we're on the same team. So if you need anything, just ask. And ask sooner rather than later. Along those lines, you never need to apologize to me for being human. It literally breaks my heart every time a student's like, this terrible thing's happening in my life. I'm so sorry I didn't get my homework done. If something terrible is happening in your life, I also don't care whether or not your homework's getting done because we need to deal with the big, important life human events before you can learn calculus. So really the moral story is I'm here to help and I want you to be successful and reach out if there's anything I can be doing to help that happen. All right, hello, good afternoon, everyone. I prepare a PowerPoint presentation always. For the first day, I show photos of myself. This is where I come from. My first generation college, so I had to pay my way through law school and legal studies. But if you're first generation, I, I think I somehow know how that feels. This is where I grew up. This is where my law degree is from. This is where I practice defense law in Germany. And here are my hobbies. I also am German. I love to bake. And do you recognize the cake? A black forest cake, right? So I love to bake. And I'm a baker. And so I asked, so who of you is a baker? I'm mean, there raising their hands. What's your favorite bake? Can we share recipes? And they laugh and they know it's just a little bit for like the performative I show them a photo of me running with my daughter hand in hand, and we both have like fairy wings on the back, and I don't look graceful at all. And so just, you know, I'm, I'm totally fine sharing all of this. I'm, I, I don't care. But it's important for me that they see, hey, this person has a life. One of the things I'm interested in trying out is getting students to understand that our goal isn't to reach consensus. The idea that we could have 20 people in a room and that we would all agree on something is odd. It's an odd one. It's an odd aspiration. And so I think for this first day, one of the things that I want to try out is to start from the bat, us having conversations where we know disagreement will be present. 
And that's going to be because it's going to be engineered. You know, I think an added difficulty is that the course, it's not about race in any kind of, gosh, general sense, right? The course is about Black women writers. It's about what sort of Black women have produced historically in this country. But it's not a topics course on race. And students often come to class, I think, expecting the kind of engagement that they're used to on social media or in their sort of more casual conversations, right? Where they have this idea of some kind of trans historical blackness that they want to sort of defend or uplift. And that's just not what you actually find in the books. And so often there's that disconnect where students are trying to figure out how they can use the knowledge they already have, but also figuring out maybe where that knowledge needs to be sort of refined. And I think that's a real difficulty for students who don't feel like they're coming from a really strong foundation in, in literary study. It's, it can produce a lot of insecurities. So I, I, I want to address those in my freshman course. Yeah, that's going to be my main goal, figuring out how to talk to them about whatever feelings of unpreparedness they might have. I think students struggle with that. And you know, one of the things I'm always trying to communicate is that you can only learn from wherever you are, right? There's no way to jump ahead of, you know, you have whatever skills you have. And that's going to be true today. That's going to be true tomorrow until you take the next step to further those skills. We recorded our conversations in the summer of 2022, and we asked our guests about how the pandemic has influenced their teaching. When we went back to in-person, this is my own experience, what I saw was that students have, they had less of what I think is important for us in the humanities and social sciences, that is interaction, exchange, discussion. They can all read and they can all take in information. But when I asked one of my first hypotheticals in class, what do you think are the legal ramifications of this case? They don't have this discussion experience. So they're coming out of high school and their last formative years in high school were online. That means so much less exchange, interchange, developing of ideas together has happened. I think a post-2020 world means that we're all a little bit more aware of our shared humanity. I think it's easy to exist in our ivory towers and be like, I am putting all of my time and energy into my class and my students should care about it. And to interpret students having struggles with getting things done in class as them not caring about class. And I think the pandemic made us aware that there's a whole host of reasons students might not be completing work in our class. And it's not often that they don't care. It's that they're full, entire, complex human beings that have things going on in their lives, even if it's just adjusting to being in college. I am teaching a 300-person class in the fall. I care about my students. Their success is important to me. But I also can't follow up with them individually the way maybe they're used to their high school teachers doing when they sort of fell behind. So when a student reaches out to me, just even I, who have always cared about this, I'm just more likely to remember that students' actions are not often a reflection of their opinion of me as an instructor. It's not personal. It's what they're dealing with. And I'm seeing more and more understanding of that across instructors. Now, the after show a conversation with members of the Instructional Design Collaborative, the campus community, 
and you, our listeners, where we raise questions, surface key ideas, and continue the conversation. All right, I am excited to continue the conversation about the first day of class. I'm here with my colleagues, Laura Schmidley, Molly Harris, and Jonathan Klein. Something that stood out to me was that Melissa Lindsay mentioned hidden curriculum. I'm wondering if each of us could maybe elaborate on other components of the hidden curriculum in case that's a new term to anyone listening. I always thought about the hidden curriculum as like what my brother told me about school Yeah, yeah, yeah. as an upperclassman. When I think of being a student, it's just kind of you do what's next. And I'm not sure that you're always fully in the loop about exactly how you are intentionally navigating or preparing in advance. But I think of what Melissa was describing as helping helping a student really understand the rhythm and the pace and the intention behind all of the different moving parts of a, of a learning experience. Yeah, I think hidden curriculum is probably hard to summarize at the college level, but I think of it as this combination of some things that honestly are social, right, that are about how you communicate with anyone here on campus, and other things are more like self-regulation or how you manage your time. And I think there are other things, too, that are more like what you feel empowered to do. So, you know, some students are going to know ahead of time they can ask for an extension or notify you of an absence. I also think about when my stepson started college, like all of the things that we were able to tell him, you know, because a lot of the adults in his life had gone to college. So things about like, oh, you should make an appointment at University Health Services for this. It's free. You don't have to, you know, pay for this thing or oh, you really should talk to a tutor and things that you might, like David, what you were saying, advice that you might get from someone who's like been here before. In my experience, I don't think I really thought about the hidden curriculum until I was teaching. And I realized when I was teaching that I was making assumptions about my students based on my own experience and expecting that my students would behave in the same ways that I did or have the same knowledge that I did study in the same ways, know the expectations for them that I thought, you know, were the right expectations. So to me, the hidden curriculum is really revealing what you personally as an instructor think as well. I get impatient with the information that's on the syllabus. Like, I don't want to talk about it because there are so many other things to talk about. But maybe this is a reminder to like re-enliven and energize the information contained in sections like grading or how we're going to have discussions because they're really at the root of some of these inclusive practices. Yeah, and I think an important part about the first day is that it's it's setting the tone for the rest of the semester. I think there's something there too about being able to do something with those policies that models the way the rest of the course is going to go to. Laura, you mentioned the term modeling, and it got me thinking of something I was thinking about as I was listening to our guests is all of them have a way that they think about the first day of class. And when they are in class on the first day, a lot of what they are doing is modeling. As much as the first day of class is a performance, it's also sending a message about this is how this is going to go. I mean, sometimes I get conflicted about how much to offer students. I went to check out my own classroom, and it was the first time I've ever had a classroom in engineering. And I got turned around. 
I backtracked and took pictures of the most direct exterior entrance. I thought, if it were me, I'd appreciate somebody saying, here are some tips. And there's a certain other part of me that's like, maybe I'm robbing them of the experience of not finding the class, you know, needing to arrive a little bit earlier. I'm leaning toward offering that as part of a welcome letter. Maybe it will hit right for the one student that needs that ahead of time. If I were one of your students, I would want the photo guide because I would be very nervous about getting there on the first day. Also, as someone who's been in engineering hall, I think the photos would be good. It's like the elevators in Van Highs. Sharing something also gives students sort of the permission to do that exploration that you did. So saying, hey, it's a little tricky to find, you know, go explore yourself and find the best way. Think about where you're coming from, right? What class do you have before? What class do you have after? Which entrance are you going to use? I think it's also an opportunity to say, like, it's really important to me that you make it here on the first day. <laughs> so here's how you can best do that. Productive struggle. That's 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 the thing that I guess I'm thinking of, David, when you talk about, should I share the room or should I not share the room? Am I going to rob them of some kind of formative experience? And in some ways, if you think about it, finding the room is not a productive struggle. Like there's other ways that you can give them challenging and meaningful. I, but see, I, I, actually, as I say that, I don't even know if it's true. It is a productive struggle. Is it a productive struggle? I think sending it is good. Yeah. There might be another lesson there that every instructor is going to approach this differently. Yeah. And if students hear that, they're going to at least be able to face that challenge with a little bit more clear-eyed view that the expectations set in one class kind of need to be set aside before they enter another this episode has a particular origin story for our podcast, The LNS Exchange. Molly, this episode was your brainchild. We had the great luck to interview Molly, and she had this amazing idea. So how could we not hire her? You can't see, but I'm turning red. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the instructional design collaborative is very nice to send some questions in advance of the interview to allow us some preparation time. One question was about uh, launching a podcast and what would you do for a podcast episode? And I will admit when I first read the question, it made me a little nervous because I was not a podcast listener at the time. And so I did have to you know, stretch my brain a little to think about, okay, if a person likes listening to podcasts, what would they want to hear? And I've really loved how David gathered some audio at the beginning of this episode to get those sounds of the first day of class. That was something I had thought about. Well, we've come a long way since that first idea to the folks we interviewed in the college who were enthusiastic about inclusive teaching who were gracious enough to share their classrooms with us. And I think we could do an individual episode on any of their interviews and it's just very much appreciated. Thanks once again for tuning in. We hope these topics add value to your professional practice and we hope you'll consider subscribing using your favorite podcasting service. Special thanks to the graduate teaching assistants who contributed to our opening. Don't forget to check out our show notes page for conversation starters and resources. 
The Exchange is brought to you by LNS Teaching and Learning Administration and is produced by the LNS Instructional Design Collaborative. We record this podcast on the UW-Madison campus in Van Nuys Hall, which sits atop a ridge overlooking Lake Mendota. It's a beautiful spot and has a deeper significance because everything that resides here rests atop ancestral Ho-Chunk land, a place their nation has called Dejope since time immemorial.